everyone, and welcome to Social Sport. I'm your host, Emma Zimmerman, and this show is a member of the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. On Social Sport, I feature conversations with endurance athletes of all types committed to fostering social change. These athletes are climate change activists, they're mental health advocates, promoters of more inclusive outdoor spaces, and much more. But what ties all of these athletes together is that they're committed to exploring the connection between sport and activism in their lives. I want to tell you about Social Sports sponsor, Paper Trails Greeting Co. Paper Trails Greeting Co. is the most comprehensive and adorable line of running greeting cards out there. It's a small business owned and operated by an athlete. The inspiration for Paper Trails Greeting Co. comes from the power of connection. Now, more than ever, of course, connection is hard to come by. One of my favorite things to do is to send the people I love a handwritten note. There's truly nothing better than receiving a greeting card, and Paper Trails has it all, with cards for various occasions, birthdays, running distances, and more. Go to papertrailsgreetingco.com and use code SOCIALSPORT to get 15% off your order. My guest today is Aaliyah Tyus Barnwell. Aaliyah is a New York City-based writer, cyclist, and the founder and president of the nonprofit Ride Upgrades. Ride Upgrades seeks to bridge both the transportation and health divide in low-income communities through cycling. It breaks down the barriers to entry for teenagers and families to start cycling. And by cycling, Aaliyah really means all cycling. She wants to get more kids into bike racing, but also into commuting and any other biking forms and disciplines. In this episode, there is some New York City bike scene references thrown around, and Aaliyah and I translate most of them for all of you non-New Yorkers and non-bikers out there. One reference Aaliyah brings up is a recent announcement made by Scott Stringer. Scott Stringer is the New York City comptroller, and he recently proposed a first-of-its-kind bike-to-school plan for New York City high schoolers. So Aaliyah mentions that plan. She has some questions and thoughts on Scott Stringer's announcement and, in general, how we can make biking safer and more accessible for New York City youth, something that Aaliyah is super passionate about. Aaliyah is doing crucial work, so please enjoy this conversation. Hey, Aaliyah, welcome to Social Sport. Thank you for having me. I'm super, super excited. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love your show. Oh my goodness, thank you. I am so excited to speak with you, and I'm so excited about everything that you're doing. It is incredible and so necessary for the bike community. And I just want to give people a little introduction on you. So could you tell us who you are and where you are right now and what you're passionate about? Um, I am uh, a coach. I'm a youth coach, first and foremost, I think. And I founded Ride Upgrades, this nonprofit that kind of like took off out of nowhere that's really designed to uh, let people take advantage of road cycling. Um, I think that road cycling can um, help a lot of people and not that people should help road cycling. I don't probably end up saying a little bit more about that later but uh yeah that's that's pretty much it I wanted to kind of give some some kids the opportunity that I had I was working with kids already and I when the um 
pandemic hit, I knew that I had to do something because I knew that they weren't going to have like any more really programming for a minute. And I felt like guilty. And, you know, I've been talking about this for years and I knew that was time. So, yeah, kind of like do something good for, for the community. Totally. Yeah. And I want to go like deeper into that story of how it started and all of that. But I'm also curious about like your story with mm. cycling, because I know that cycling was part of your life from a pretty early age. I know that your dad was and still is right part of Red Caps. Yep. Yep. He is. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely one of those kids who never thought it was weird. So I guess that probably helps. My dad, when I was younger, my dad would like take me to the park and at ungodly hours or to because um, it's like early in the morning. Or uh, to Harlem Frit, which is once a year on, I think it's Father's Day weekend. So I would end up going to that and kind of seeing Kurt racing from like when I was in like first or second grade. So I never really rode bikes like that until I was older, though. Like not like okay. my dad. Yeah. I don't know, if you know how much you know about the Red Caps. The Red Caps don't have. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to ask because I. I'm familiar with the Red Caps, but I feel like a lot of my listeners probably are not like and not as familiar with the New York cycling scene. So if you could tell us a little bit more about the Red Caps. They are a uh, predominantly West Indian Caribbean male cycling group from uh, Brooklyn. From Brooklyn. They're, they've been around since the 70s, I think, 70s or 80s. And they have a long and storied history. Their rides are very difficult. They're a great fun to ride with, but because of the makeup of the group, I wouldn't really fit in. It's like my dad's escape. Got it. You know? Got it. Yeah. Um, a lot of racers ride with them. Like, they're a fast and fun group. But They're totally fast. I mean, like, if people aren't familiar with the whole New York cycling scene, you probably don't know. But if you go to, like, ride in Prospect Park, they're one of those groups that's all kitted out and zooming around the park so fast. Yeah, <laughs> they sure. are. They're and known. they also occupy that bench. They're that. They're, they bench. occupy the bench. I'm going to keep it 100. Um, I think you're going to see them individually riding out, like, in the park if they're they're doing laps. I don't really see them doing laps that much in the park. They do their rides, like, outside of the park. It seems like a lot. Okay. But, I won't, but they're on the bench. But the they're park. on the bench. They hold down that spot. <laughs> yeah. They, they observe. <laughs> got it. Got it. Yeah. But you yourself did not start cycling until after college, correct? That's right. I used it to kind of get around it on campus. And obviously, I know how to ride a bike. But um, and it was mountain bike. <laughs> I didn't really get into road until uh, a, a female friend of mine, who also now works with me in Ride of Preeds, was trained for a triathlon, and she took me out on a lap of the park, and I felt like I was going to die. Um, <laughs> I was like, I was on my mountain bike, my hard rock, which is still around here somewhere. Um, actually, I went to a friend. Still have it. And uh, yeah, she was on the tri bike, and that was really rough, as you can imagine. Um, or somebody who is was mostly sedentary at the time, like yeah, you know, riding around a little bit is still not the same as like just riding every day or riding to commute. I was not doing that at that time. So yeah, after that, I was like, why is this hill so difficult? I have to ride more. <laughs> it shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> but that's a huge development from like you know doing one lap on your little mountain bike to the amount of riding and how much riding is central in your life now. I'm pretty sure I, I read that you were involved with the organization Black Girls Do Bike. Is that correct? Yeah, that was that led from there kind of to Black Girls Do Bike. After I started like riding more, eventually you start looking for camaraderie. I started riding to get around and noticing there wasn't like anyone else that kind of looked like me. I wasn't seeing a lot of other people that looked like me on my rides. I'm not saying that it was um, a not diverse population. I just wasn't seeing a lot of Black women. You know what I mean? Um, there are a few of us, but just not 
all on the same paths at the same time. And Black Girls Do Bike brings us together. They are a, a national organization um, with chapters all, all across the U.S. And um, at that time, it was headed by Courtney Williams, who's currently the Brown Bike Girl. And it kind of went from there. She was very supportive and like getting people out on rides and parks and, um, and throughout the city. So it was really great. Awesome. Yeah. And I know they're, they're national, they're all over the place. So if other folks are interested in checking them out, I'll definitely link some info in the show notes, but now you ride with major Taylor iron riders club. Can you tell me a little bit about that group and what that experience has been like? Major Taylor is the one that I was thinking of when you were saying we go around, they go around the park really fast in group. Okay. Like ride the red caps, there'd be some red caps mixed up in there. Um, but when they had the traditional laps, which I feel like they don't anymore because COVID, um, kind of made the parks kind of busy, you know what I mean, for that. Uh, and groups are just, you know, a large group of that nature is risky. So, but they did use to, they used to take over the park. They are known for, again, long, strenuous rides. They do have a reputation um, and they do have a development team, uh, major, major, develop, major Taylor development uh, team that races. And yeah, I do, I'm, I am a registered member. So what was the progression from, like, you know, you're riding around the park on this one lap, then you're a Black Girls Do Bike, then all of a sudden you're in this development team, and I feel like you're pretty known. Like, you know, I feel like you're a big rider. Maybe that's, I joke with, like, cyclists that I have on the show because I'm from a running background that I think, like, any cyclist who's out there doing long rides and, you know, all kitted out, I immediately assume they're, like, an incredibly serious, serious cyclist. So I might be bringing some of my own bias into that, but I feel like you're pretty well-known and pretty serious in the New York scene. So what was that development like? Um, I think it started with like riding to commute. Like I, you know, I said, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, and kind of doing it as a job. I think that's really where it kind of came in. And again, I think this is, I want to thank women for this because they are, Again, it was Tracy and then uh, Courtney and then Christina Sepulveda got me a job with Bike New York and kind of like, I was like, oh, you can teach people how to do bike stuff as a job. It's a job that people pay you for. It's like, I almost, I mean, I might begrudgingly do that for free, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, here I am doing it for free. Oh, the irony. Here we have come full circle. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I kind of got into doing it. That's probably why it's like more of a thing because I'm like post constantly posting about it. And then like, I sort of became obsessed with like, since I'm riding all the time, I went to the school as I was doing it. And that was when I started becoming obsessed with like the women's side of the industry and noticing uh, yet another thing that is unfortunate and then i kind of had to like reflect that like men also suffer like cycling kit is not it's for a sport right it's not designed for your comfort and anything other than the riding position mm-hmm. so if you have to use the bathroom or anything else um those considerations were secondary and only now are we coming around to things that are made for women and hopefully later made for men sorry guys i have had somebody mm-hmm. like a dude actually tell me that they have bought women's stuff because the back comes down because you can take you can buy a bib a women's bib that it comes off without you taking off your jersey can't do that for a dude so yeah not you know gender equality folks yeah. <laughs> but that's like like that's probably why i feel like maybe people know who i am because i started posting about that sort of stuff okay yeah maybe, i don't know i don't know i'm just guessing i ride around hence, a lot and maybe hence they, the instagram handle kit addiction correct <laughs> And kind of like my obsession, like it is kind of dealing with the consumerism of it, like, right? Like mm-hmm. road cycling is an expensive, it's expensive side of the sport. You just, I could just commute it in 
regular clothes <laughs> or like some quick dry something. You know what I mean? But then if you really embrace that whole road cycling thing, it's the kit and the, the, the bike and blah, blah, blah. And that becomes, a, it is a consumerist thing, right? Um, you're spending, spending, spending. And how does the average person spend, spend, spend? So that's why it's an addiction. It isn't necessarily always a positive, right? It's definitely not. Like we joke about it like, oh, this is this this delicious dessert is crack. And we can joke about these things, but it's kind of like, that's me trying to like joke through the pain as it were. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm so happy you brought this up because that like consumerist culture of cycling, of road cycling, I should say, is something that I've thought a lot about. And yeah, I'm just really curious about that because it's something that's, it strikes me. Do you think that is solely an issue in road cycling? Uh, no, anything where you're spending lots of money on expensive equipment and the sport requires, you know, expensive equipment and time, who has money and time, you know, that's going to determine who can do this. And there are some ways to like, I mean, this is at the sport level, right? Anybody can go get a road bike and like ride and have a good old time. And honestly, you're probably better off, like you're more likely to become strong. You're going to become strong from just from riding, right? So I don't want to discourage anyone. That's the thing about it. I feel like there's this hype. Like, my bike is from China. I'm not suggesting everyone do that, but, like, I painted it in my backyard. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't trying to... I knew I wasn't going to be able to, like, buy some big fancy something or other. I just wanted something that was nice and I could be, like, comfortable on. Comfortable. Because I have ridden... I do have an aluminum line that I love very much, but, yeah, the first time I got on it, I felt like my teeth were going to rattle out of my head. So I was like, I got to figure out something. So I was like looking around for bikes and yeah, you know, you find your ways of doing something. You can do something that's cost effective, but it does seem like there are some barriers. There are barriers in that sport uh, and road cycling as there are in in a lot of other expensive sports. I could say snowboarding, I could say um, mountain biking. If we're going to take another cycling discipline, if you were talking about downhill, a full suspension mountain bike is not cheap. So yeah, yeah. valid. More is getting there, getting to the like. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't, I'm not going to take up mountain biking tomorrow because where would I even go? So there is a certain, there are, but I feel like maybe there isn't that elitism just because of the nature of the urbanity of road and its history mm-hmm. is of its long European history. I don't really know. I can't speak to that. I can just say what I was seeing was not that many people who look like me in particular. There are other types of people, especially in New York. It's a varied community, but just not seeing a lot of Totally. And it seems like you've spoken and written quite a bit about this, about the issues that exist in the cycling world, the road cycling world, and not seeing people that look like you. I read your recent Velo News article called There Are Many Black Cyclists, We Just Overlook Them. And I'm embarrassed to admit that this article was super eye-opening to me because I have said so many times, cycling is a super white sport. You argue something a little different. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think it's how we interpret cyclists. We've given into that, again, that consumerist mindset that says that a cyclist is this genre box that you check off when you're like, you know, signing up for bicycling or whatever, magazine or whatever. You're checking into an event. You're going to check off this little box that you belong to. And really, anybody who rides a bike is a cyclist. Anybody who, especially anybody who rides a bike is your primary mode of transportation. Oh, you definitely cyclist. Uh, and occupied in the act of riding a bike, a cyclist. Now, I'm sure that most people would not describe, like, bike life kids, Wheelie kids are not going to necessarily describe themselves as cyclists, but that nonetheless, from us, the outside looking in and the industry examining it should accept that they are, in fact, they are spending money on bikes. They are riding bikes consistently. 
they are doing things with those bikes. They're presented as this is an at an athletic level at a certain, you know what I mean? Like they're not just riding around. They're riding around for fun, but I can't hold a wheelie for two blocks. So I'm just saying there's a certain level of skill and commitment here that's being dedicated, that is being um, demonstrated that I think we have to respect. Now that doesn't even talk about all the people who are actively out there working cyclists. Like, you know, I mean, we want, want to, like maybe they, I think they would call themselves a defense. Yeah. And that's probably another issue, but that's why I didn't bring that up. But like anybody who rides a bike is a cyclist. So we have given into this idea of road and cross or mountain biking being cyclists or defining cyclists in this way. And that's doing us all a disservice. It's dividing us. And uh, I don't think that's healthy or, and I don't, I'm not really sure why other sects of the industry are kind of like doing that. It seems like it's like hurting their bottom line. I don't understand the process. Mm -hmm. I don't understand the thought process behind it. So, yeah. And I guess the interesting thing to me is you bring up how there are so many different types of cycling and, and, you know, BMX and just so many different types of cycling you see in urban environments, let alone, you mentioned like uh, delivery cyclists or people who cycle around for work. Mm -hmm. These types of cycling, there's much representation of people from people of color. Are you, do you see people talking about this besides you? I mean, yeah, but not as much the industry. People who are making money off of selling bikes don't seem to be paying as much attention. Like, only this year are they like, oh, what people, black people and brown people ride bikes? Oh, wow, we should market to them. I mean, and maybe at a certain level, right? I feel like that was kind of the point of the article. Like, SE Bikes yeah. has seen this for a while. They were sold out before. So they've acknowledged that, you know, there is a market for bikes, Um that are that is brown that is specifically brown or that is in brown areas and I, i'm putting this out there into the ether please big bike companies don't hate me uh, somebody else a mechanic once said that i know once that uh that if they start making like a 700 dollars road bike if sd starts making a 700 road bike tomorrow it's a wrap it's a wrap for any other company that's selling like a base model because it's just it's the way they market and the way they interact i think with the community and kind of like besides the fact that that's what's on the street right now so i wonder about that interaction I'm, i've reached mm -hmm. out to todd lines hopefully i do hear back from him about he did reach he did respond so hopefully i hear how he did it and why why i'd love I'm, I'm curious to hear what he is doing right and why everybody else is not really paying attention if that makes sense yeah yeah and and the other thing is i feel like the bike industry does so much lip service to this idea of like getting more black athletes into cycling when in reality black cyclists exist in large numbers. So what do you wish the bike industry was actually doing instead of just, you know, doing this lip service, making these statements about? They probably should promote some of these black athletes um, to positions where they can actually make change within these organizations or suggest change because they're, you shouldn't have to seek outside advice that much. If you got to seek that much outside advice, you need to hire new people. Yes. That's, that's, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, that's very short. And I mean, it's, it's not, this is not rocket science. You know what I mean? I, I'm not really sure why. That's why I'm like, that's, after all, you just get frustrated. You just want to give away bikes. And that's where I'm at. And I'm just like, all right, you don't want to, you don't want to do stuff. So I'm going to ask you for the ability to do stuff. You know, like I, it, it shouldn't get to the point where you have to, it should be, it's not, again, not rocket science. You see what SE gave away like 30 or 40 bikes for Christmas alone. Um, I think the same, similar activities going on on the West Coast with another organization, uh, the Bahati Foundation did, I think, a bike giveaway. Okay. 
So like, I think they've been doing that for years. Like these sort of things where you're just supporting, like where, you know, where is the support? You can, then can't be like surprised um, that no one moves into your particular discipline, even though they're still out there riding bikes. They are riding. They are cyclists. They're just not your kind of cyclist. They're not giving you money. <laughs> I think that's the issue. That's the bottom so, line. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yep. So. Yeah. And when you say yeah. it, it, it is so simple. And so I can't imagine your frustration because it, it really seems super simple. And again, it comes back to capitalism and what part of the bike industry has power. Yeah. I think that some people are getting it now. And I think that, that I got support for this because I wasn't really sure for the scholarship. I wasn't really sure how that was going to go. And I'm like, I wasn't really sure. That's why I said just scholarship this year. It was really for 2020. I was like, that's all I can try and like get the money for because I knew I could at least link that myself but like that because I think this was the time people are starting to figure it out so hopefully they go with that it goes somewhere and snowballs and creates this it is I do see a movement happening like I still remember the women trans femme um bike pledge for the industry I feel like hopefully that's not just again just lip service and people really do things um yeah yeah, that's all I can say. I Who was in charge of that pledge, you know, for the industry? The Women Trans Femme, WTF Bike Explorers. Okay. Um, and they're a women's uh, WTF team of, um, I think they do cross. I think they do actual, like, like uh, what do you call it? Touring and cross mm-hmm. and things like that, I think. But they're all professionals in their own right. Yeah, we'll definitely have to link that in the show notes for sure. And you mentioned the scholarship. So I want to get into all of that because I know that scholarship is a big part of the nonprofit Ride Upgrades, which I'm stoked to talk about. You're the founder and president. It's a relatively new nonprofit, which is super impressive to me how new it is. So could you tell anyone who isn't familiar with it, what is Ride Upgrades? So Ride Upgrades was started to encourage uh, people to try road cycling and support their journey to do so, knowing that it's expensive, specifically for youth. So initially, um, again, I told you it was kind of a response to me working with the kids that I challenge myself, which is another group that does free road cycling classes in college, in high schools here in New York, um, public high schools. And I knew that those kids need bikes and I wanted to see, like, kind of like bridge that gap, like what happens to them after they graduate. You know what I mean? Do they, what happens is the support. It's not like magically you're going to be a college student and then have money to like go out and buy a road bike. Do you, how do you compete then? You know what I mean? If you were, so we trained you. Like, I know there's one other program that's doing things with New York Junior Cycling. Um, but other than that, I wasn't really sure how to like, what to tell my students. And I felt like I was telling them. Even when I came into it, I knew I wanted to do some kind of youth program, but this, it didn't really materialize into this until I had a specifically a problem right in front of me that I had to solve. And it was getting the bikes. So here we go. Road cycling scholarship. If you want to race road, boom, we'll get you the bike, the helmets, you know, all the kit. And more importantly, like team placement and support to kind of like get you out into the world rather than just being like, here's your stuff. Bye. Good luck. Mm-hmm. See you strictly, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So, so this scholarship is, I mean, it seems pretty comprehensive. Like it gives the resources it gives. Tell me a little bit more about like those components of the scholarship and what it provides. Okay. The bike is obviously the big one. I feel like that's the big shiny carrot, but that's the easy part. Or at least it was seems easy ish. Right? Like you get the thing and then, but now you have it and you have to do something with it. Right? So we um, are trying to give them like the, not only the material support, but the like the wherewithal and the training to try and do something if they want. And obviously, you know, um, I think that's where the bulk of our hours are, or the, the true value of 
of it comes in. But of course, people, kids are going to apply because they want a bike. Who wants a, everybody wants a new bike. You know what I mean? Um, so they get to go in, they get fitted, they get to go in, they get to, there is like kind of a discussion about what they are going to get on the bike and what they're going to use the bike for. And, and before that, usually to do the, the like picking, we took a bunch of kids out on rides and take them out first and kind of see who's ready. Um, the idea is that somebody's kind of on the cusp, right? This isn't like a okay. full, full training training from like scratchy scratch. Like you've got to have some sort of wherewithal. Like I can't start with a learn to ride student in this scenario. And I can't start with a student who's never really ridden far or ridden in the street before. This has to be somebody who's like already demonstrated commitment. It's supposed to be kind of a reward for already demonstrated commitment riding bikes in some way. So that's why I ended up with, or I like I picked Travis because of the people who I, the young people that I was willing, that I was able to interact with, they, um, some of them already had bikes and were kind of like, you don't really need anything. All you need is just to come out with me in the spring and sit, start training. Um, and then we had Travis, who had already demonstrated, you know, he was ready to race. He just didn't have the stuff. He had, like, a tour, heavy touring bike, and he didn't really have, like, like he had, like, what do you call those, egg leader pedals and stuff like that. Like, just stuff that's like, okay, you're, you're, you're there. You know how to use it. But, like, this might make it a little bit easier for you. And, obviously, we kind of want to support you. Where you're, you're the exact type of cyclist that were like, okay, you want to try this new discipline? Boom, here you go. So that was a natural fit. And Uma was a student of mine for my challenge myself. And I knew I had already demonstrated a lot of gumption being the only girl on her team to to do one long ride that day. And then the only person on her team at all to get onto the track at Casino. So I was like, yeah, you got something there. Something that takes some courage. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, and you can work with, we can work with that. You know what I mean? So I was more than happy to to offer her the application. So is the main focus of the scholarship program specifically cyclist kids who want to race or who yeah. want more racing? Okay. That for the scholarship, yes, that's for racing. Um, now we're kind of into this weird space where we want to continue doing that. Like I know Alex from Australia, Alex Australia wants to continue giving out bikes and I support that. They're not going to be brand new. It's not going to have the same structure where we then place people with a team, but we do want to create that environment where like, hey, you know, We've given you a bike now if you want it. Like, now it's winter time, so we're not doing rides ourselves. But come out and ride, you know? That's kind of where we're, we're at. Um, just gathering materials to make it possible for more people to get butts on bikes. Amazing. And for folks listening who aren't familiar, Austroy is a New York-based cycling company. And I believe it's also a sponsor of Ride Upgrades, correct? Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> he's one of the founding members, essentially. He's on, okay. he's, yeah, he's on the board. So, um, Australia as a company has very, been very, 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 very supportive, um, giving gear and giving time. Cause you know, Alex also runs a development team himself, which is, was, was Patch and is now MOBA. And, um, he's a huge supporter of, of cycling and growth of cycling as a sport and supporting, bringing new people into it. Or maybe again, supporting people with cycling. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Um, letting them know that they're valid. So he's, helping us he helped i challenge myself he's always kind of doing some philanthropic thing and then he's got the women's the australian women's team which i know you talked to jessica yes so yeah yeah that's awesome um so he's 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 integral in making this ship run so i appreciate his help uh immensely 
Incredible. I want to talk about a few of the other components of ride upgrades because I know it's not just the racing scholarship. There's also the Trek Day Camp. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, we were, I was literally just working on that right before we um, hopped on. So it is a two-week program from the 12th to the 23rd in July, and it's going to be for it's aimed for like initially for high school kids, but I don't want to open it up to everybody. There's no harm. 20 kids, and um, I knew that that's. Uh, I'm very lucky to have a spot out of a, out of the shop, meet at 96th Street. Because I was wondering how to swing that. I always knew that, like, you know, summer for a camp would be ideal. Um, summertime is like the perfect time to kind of get kids on bikes and give them like a little crash course. Um, knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> we hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I knew that I wanted to kind of like make that like a key part i'd never heard of i don't know another road bike camp i mean i know a road bike camp that's 10 grand <laughs> oh buzzing but yeah um, i know of a road bike training program that is 10 grand uh, this is not that this is more of a like hey you know possibly first time on road bikes or you know first time wanting to pursue something a little bit longer and see what we get i think it's gonna be to basic i think i'm gonna have a, a range of programming based on the kids that decide to sign up yeah, I mean, just hearing you talk about it, it seems like maybe there are some camps out there, but this one is just much more accessible and much more aware of the fact that people come from so many different levels who want to get on the bike. Right, right. And it is free. So, you know, there's that. I just think that it's like, an, like we're, I just had a kid kind of call me the other day and they asked if we could go out on a ride. I'm like, it's going to be 30 degrees this weekend. But, you know, summer will come soon. So I do want to be there for kids that want to ride. Why not? Give them a group. I don't know if a kids, I know kids ride club, but this is not that. This isn't exactly that. Yeah, this is looking towards, those are great. Kids ride club is an NYCCC, uh, NYCC program um, that gets younger kids out on, on bike rides. And uh, they usually do destinations. And yes, there will be some destinations, but I do want to like, this is kind of like more teaching about transportation equity and like sports development. So we'll teach a little bit about, you know, how to get around the city. It's surprising how many kids have never really like been to certain other boroughs or like the extremities of other boroughs, let alone ridden there on their bikes. So see if we can do a little bit of that and then over the bridge into Jersey and do some real, like learn how to develop, like train for a sport. And it's the training of, like, you can apply that to anything. I'm sure you can apply that, that kind of, any kind of discipline, which you're, like, thinking about, you know, heart rate zones or anything like that. You can apply that to any other sport. And I think even beyond sports, like, you can apply so many of the thought processes, it seems like, that you're teaching and so many of the skills to just, like, life and, you know, school and, you know, perseverance and everything. It sounds like an incredible opportunity in many ways. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I mean, more than that, like, it's, it has been proven that exercise makes us mentally stable. So if we're going to just keep it that simple, like this is something to make you feel good in a very harsh time of a lot of uncertainty. Um, and it is an outside activity. So I hope that, you know, just have provides something that is a space for people to feel comfortable and try something new. Yeah. If that makes sense. Or even pursue something that they've been at for a while because there are kids who want to just, who are like, a couple of the kids from I challenged myself signed up. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just happy to to be here for anyone who wants to ride road bikes. Yay. <laughs>
Incredible. And so much of that is needed. You brought up I challenge myself a few times, and that's another thing that I'm assuming my listeners might not know about. So could you quickly explain that as well? It is um, a 15-year-old nonprofit that teaches uh, a bunch of health-based courses, um, and it's based up in, um, well, it does a lot of services in uh, Fort Washington. And uh, they have a road bike program uh, where I was a coach. Um, and that was in public schools, several public schools throughout the city, and it ends with a century ride. Um, so you're year long, like class based program that kind of takes the place of gym, and uh, ends with a century at their graduation, which is pretty awesome. And last year we got to do it without. Oh well, the last year that I did it, up to not last year, um, <laughs> we did it without cycling, and they have the craziest. It was just the best after party ever, and I'm super looking. I'm hoping that it takes place again this year. Um, they do Pride Ride, uh, so that's like okay. the first weekend in June. Incredible. Okay, yeah. Also, sounds like a great program. If it's not clear to listeners, it seems like you have been involved in getting kids on the bike for a long time and in many different ways. It seems like it's a huge passion of yours. It can honestly, I feel like it all happened pretty quickly in like three or four years. So, like once I started doing it, that's that's just it. The organizations maybe decided they wanted to start talking to each other that was another thing that i that kind of like encouraged me as right afraid like everybody should probably start talking <laughs> and working together like i was i apparently there are several schools that are that got a, a program sponsored by rafa i have no idea which schools those are so we wouldn't be able to even support them or wave to them on the road if we saw them or whatever if it is a road program we don't know i forget there is it's more information is available online but that's the kind of thing where it's like you know, you want to be able to steer kids and parents and dollars if you can towards successful programs and programs that exist. Like people didn't know mm-hmm. I challenge myself existed. Maybe that's why you asked me before, like why I'm well known or whatever, probably because I'm constantly like, hey, there's this thing. You should do it. You should know about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was surprising. I had never heard of Ride of Grades before somebody advertised for the or Ride of Grades. I challenged myself, excuse me. Before somebody advertised for a job, um, they were looking for a coach um, uh, in Black Girls Do Bike. I feel like maybe we could be more integrated with the rest of the bike world. I don't know. Everybody, again, that speaks to that, like, segregation, as it were, of the different disciplines, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. You know, that's maybe the thing that I'm trying to do. I'm, like, trying to, like, get everybody to, like, talk, hey, Here's the thing, like, I just had uh, somebody reach out to me today looking for a group to, like, ride with. And I was like, okay, well, here's some options. Like, you know, just do that kind of thing. Like, be, like, a good steward of, of people, of fellow cyclists, rather than if, if it's not a steward of the sport, you're trying to help other people who also like the bike with it. It's just that simple. And that is so important. You said be a big steward of fellow cyclists, because I think that there is many there are many barriers to entry to getting integrated into this sport i believe and having someone like you who's this who's making these connections you know rather whether it's formally through ride upgrades and all the other organizations you're involved with or just informally i think that is so important in this sport so thank you i mean you don't have to thank me it's just like <laughs> kind of like one of the you know i feel like is there a saying about that? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I feel like that's a saying. So, yeah, you just do it because people, you would want somebody to do it for you. Right? Right. 
Totally. And this brings me to the next piece of ride upgrades that I want to speak about, which is the bike program coalition. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't really, I'm not really like promoting that right now because I know that I don't have the physical bit. Like it's just me basically. And like, you know, the people that I've mentioned. So I knew that I couldn't really like push and nag and like, Hey, come sign up to this thing. And then if you do sign up, I have to like find the connections that I promised that I was going to find you. So yeah. um, But it is something that I think is important because now we don't know what the, you know, educational landscape is going to look like. So offering help in that way might just kind of adhere, even if I can't answer all of the questions or if there's a lot of, you bring in somebody else who can, you know what I mean? Um, you bring in somebody else who does work in the DOE, you bring in somebody who works in the DYCD, you, you know, clamor for a meeting. If you, if you have like critical mass or you have a certain amount of people asking for something, then you're more likely to get an answer. If that's kind of what I was thinking, cause I, I'm hearing Scott Stringer say things like bike to school. And first of all, schools are closed. We don't know if they're going to come back open, but are you going to try and do anything for physical education? Like now that schools are closed, like what's going on with that? I don't know. I mean, I don't have a kid. So to me, I'm just like, all right, well, I'm here if you need me. And I think that's really what the bike coalition is about. Like seeing, I specifically know of one principal at a school that wanted a bike program and just didn't like, obviously he's overwhelmed with doing other things. So it'd be nice if somebody could like, help with that process. You know what I mean? So like just creating kind of like a space where people can ask for help, I think is important. Um, the resources are there if they want to do something. They can always, there's a bunch of like links at the bottom of that page where people can click through it and see like here, how to do it yourself if you want to. I'm really stuck on the topic you, you mentioned about like what are kids doing for physical education during the pandemic, which is something that I don't think folks are talking about enough, at least in the spheres that I'm in. And bringing bikes into it is such <clears throat> an interesting idea, such an interesting solution. I mean, it makes that's something that, again, I wanted to do bikes with kids before the pandemic. It just makes sense, right? Like, um, and we can talk about why that is later. But yeah, I don't know what is happening with that. I know with the first, like last year when it was kind of like late summer and I did a small ride with the kids and I just kind of gotten right across off the ground. Um, the kids, these are college age young people. <laughs> um, it was right before some of them were going off to college. Uh, they were feeling unmoored. Um, I don't think the actual word unmoored was used, but they were feeling like they didn't have like they didn't know what was going to happen and a couple of them in particular games significant they had been off the bike for a long time yeah. and you could tell like these are the kids who used to beat me up and i wasn't i wasn't in terrible shape at that point i was pretty fast these were fast young people and easily gained 20 pounds because you just you're trapped inside it's inevitable so that tells me that people maybe are not getting as active or as active as they should be i don't know what what things are going to look like after winter all i can say is just come out i don't know what people are doing about it and i i feel like that's a question for parents everywhere and maybe it's by school by school and there's no mandate if people have enough stress i'm just kind of trying to provide an answer like rather than ask a ton of questions i've not been nagging my teacher friends about this my teacher friends are art teachers <laughs> art teachers and english teachers um and history teachers yeah but again, I mean, so much of this goes back to that same conversation on like on access and what communities have access to these resources because you talk about, you know, people are stressed enough, parents are stressed enough. Some parents just don't have the resources to even be able to think about, you know, how do I get my kids active during this time? Because they're just thinking about 
getting food on the table and keeping yeah. everyone, you know, alive and fed right. in, at home. And yeah. Right. Adding another thing on top of that, like they're, they're already trying to just get them to qualify to like get through school. And if school is saying this isn't a requirement, then making another requirement on that is like, you know what I mean? I'm not going to even, there, you know, there's no point in me lambasting that, but I do see Scott Stringer's announcement is kind of like, okay, great. Now what? How is that empowerment trickling down to less plebs? <laughs> you know what I mean? Who are on the fringes. It's Ultimately, I all I can do is provide a resource and just go from there. So we'll start with that. Yeah. All you can do for sure. That's all any of us can do. I'm curious because you've worked with kids in, in different capacities through I Challenge Myself and now Ride Upgrades. What has been some of the feedback you've received from kids who've been part of these programs? Um, well, I challenge myself to have an extensive feedback system. Um, Ride Upgrades, since it's so new, I'm kind of still like hearing, you know, I'm still like, we're still like in the midst of the first year. Right. Uh, Travis is doing great. I, I obviously should go home and check in. Got the these they've got their stuff. You know what I mean? Travis kept riding and riding and a story about how hardcore he is. He was when we had the meeting, the phone meeting with the major trailer development team, he was riding his bike. He was outside, it was like 30 degrees. Wait, <laughs> on like, the phone? Yeah, he was on the phone. He was in the phone meeting while he was riding, and I think he was like going to bear or something insane like that. So yeah, yeah. Bear Mountain, which fine. is like way up for anyone listening, like you know above manhattan and which is it's like 30 miles right from manhattan. yeah it's about it's about 40 miles yeah so it's yeah. 40 miles up 40 miles back and then once you've ridden from brooklyn it's the century so he's that was a long ride i imagine um if, especially if he came back uh yeah check him out on strava travis way to go buddy um so go yeah travis. This, go travis he'll be fine i have no worries about this kid he also got a job in the bike industry i'm not gonna blow up his spot but yeah he's doing good um, he worked with Alex first and now then got another job at a shop. So more stories about that. That was kind of how it like snowballed into giving more bikes away. We knew we, Alex already wanted to do that. We were just kind of like trying to figure out a way that it made sense. So he ran into Travis while he was riding um, to Bear at a time before that. So it was still warm, reasonably warm. <laughs> and he had two friends with him and the friends were on single speeds or fixed. They were riding fixed, I think, both of them. Yeah, single speed. How dare I even sacrilege? Um, but yeah, so they were riding thick and he's on the road bike. So of course they're dying. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, Alex between you know, he's amused, of course, but he's gotta respect their gumption. You know what I mean? Like you if you're even going to attempt this, you clearly love bikes. So his thought was like, How can you get some road bikes? It's like, yeah. And boom. So William was the next young man to kind of get uh, a bike ultimately that first bike that we got from did not work out like the the seat post was seized long story yeah. but anyway so we ended up getting up behind another frame um and building that up and that was seneca village bicycles jason marshall who has been instrumental in getting this thing going definitely oh my god could not have done this really without a mechanic like at all so yes alex is the encourage Alex is the cheerleader. Rah, rah, rah. Alex Ostroy, just Alex to Ostroy, make sure sorry, yeah. to, clar to clarify. Alex Ostroy is awesome and amazing. Already had my back from from jump. Jason, I told about it, and obviously, and was like incredibly simple. Basically, put it put together and then storing bikes for us um, for free. So, oof, yeah, this is where I say like. <laughs> 
I made this joke with Travis too. I was like, roadies have a bad reputation and I used a bad word. And I was like, you know, we're trying to say that like, we are not all this bad. And I think that you should, you should try it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is me being like, I'm joking, of course. But um, yeah, this is, this is an example of three people who are like, you like the sport. Why, why is everyone so mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, so that's how we ended up giving away like more bikes that's and hopefully I, the feedback that we got like we, you know it's good like, oh who's gonna be like i hate this bike this is terrible <laughs> no one no one in the history of ever yeah um, so. i mean that quote that you said we like this sport why is everyone so mean i think that gets at like of course cyclists are not Ne- just ne- mean people but I think there definitely is this elitism in the sport and so I think that's so important to, to say if you know if this program the programs you're involved with are able to kind of get rid of some of that elitism and make it more accessible and it seems like kids people are realizing that yeah I definitely am have I'm sure I've been that person that's why I can look on the inside and be like okay I was the I was both on the inside and the outside, right? Like I was the person with the shiny kit that I did buy on eBay though. (laughs) Um, I was the person with the shiny kit. I was, you know, um, I was the person who did like, I don't really ride with, as you said, with black girls do bike anymore because I wanted to ride fast. Mm -hmm. Is that even socially acceptable? I don't not to me, if you're not helping other people to ride fast, no, it's not. You gotta help other people. Um, But I, I'm kind of like, yeah, I could, I've been that person who has, there's always that little bit of competitive, I don't want to say jerkishness, but absolutely, you know, how can I say this? Roadies do have uh, uh, an issue, and I'm not saying that I'm immune to that. I'm just saying that I recognize that I'm trying to deal with it in some way, because it's like positive. That's all, that's all I can say. You know what I mean? I would want somebody to do, if somebody has helped me, I would like to help others. Yeah, I love that. And I think there's a difference, right, between being competitive and being competitive at the expense of other people, right? Yeah. yeah. And I was never a racer. So, like, my competitive was, like, I'll beat you to the donut place. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's a, that's all I got. <laughs> um, so I never – I just enjoyed the sensation of riding fast and training to, like, you know, that endorphin reward, I think, is really where it came from for me. So I never got the, like – I don't know, I guess, but the other half of the meanness. I don't know. Because you're always on the outside looking in. You never, maybe I never really completely understood it, but I definitely had, like, because you're being judged for being that, you're, you, there might be some reactiveness, if that makes sense. Really, um, yeah. yeah, maybe. Maybe. But I'm just like, I, I see that there is an issue. <laughs> and I cannot deny it. That's like seeing it for myself. I can't deny that, like, when other genres of cyclists complain, it's about roadies. Yeah. Totally. So knowing all of these issues that kind of exist in the road cycling sphere and all of these ideas of road cyclists and also all of the things that you're doing with ride upgrades, what are your hopes and dreams for the future of ride upgrades? Um, that it continues to grow. It would be great to, I mean, I don't really, I, I was going to say it would be great to have like a team, a race team. Yes, ideally that would, it makes sense right because eventually you get enough people together and they're riding together all the time that maybe will manifest hopefully i do i kind of do want to be a feeder though right like you create something and then there's there's people who can go off and kind of represent um what you did um and what what that means but hopefully it's an inclusivity and and uh, supporting other people coming up 
That said, I still do want to focus, like, if things eventually return to normal and there are schools again, I would love to do ride school programs. That just makes the most sense. Like, I think that everyone can agree that there was a time when kids rode to school and that's gone. And I think when we come back to, like, like, oh, it's too dangerous. Well, is that the problem of the kids? Or do you have a fundamental problem with your transportation infrastructure that it's too dangerous to allow, that you feel like it's too dangerous to allow kids to drive to school? Or provide the school. Does that mean that you're... So what are you... Are you admitting that people can't drive? Or that the infrastructure is bad? Which one are you admitting? Or that are you trying to say the kids are just inept? Because it seems like, you know, uh, if Europe can do it... There's so many... I don't even go yes. into Europe and we can do it. But, like, that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like that's a, the problem isn't kids riding to school. It's that you, that you need to fix. It's that it's dangerous. Fix the danger. <laughs> not the like don't continue to stop children from being healthy because it's you know what i mean because it's dangerous that is um, so so important and also what a more powerful you know call to action than having kids riding to school kids interested in riding to school i think that creates a very powerful call to action to say we need to fix the bike infrastructure we need to make this more safe yeah duh right like especially now that like you can't like people are not really great on public transportation right now like that's just people aren't into it and i totally understand it so what about places where there's not a lot of infrastructure even to begin with so you're not there's not a lot of public infrastructure and there's even a car then what oh, car sales increased like 45 percent in brooklyn i think the last year because people wanted to be able to get around what if well, there was another option riding your bike you're not really going that far you know, I would get out to, I taught at a school in Gravesend, and that was 20 minutes by bike. And I didn't have to hunt for parking when I got there. Luckily, there's a there's a parking lot, but you get my point. You know what I mean? Like, it shouldn't have to be something where, um, sorry, my cat is sitting on my head. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if people can hear <laughs> Aaliyah's sound kind of like going in and out, it's because there is a cat crawling on <laughs> the microphone right now. <laughs> sorry, sorry. There, there I love it. I love the cat appearances. Don't worry. Yeah, he needs attention. Um, but as I was saying, so yeah, it's just something that I kind of wanted to do to make it like, again, make like life easier for people. <laughs> you know, what I mean? it should be safe to like ride around. I'm just really sad that we're still kind of like bucking that trend. Um, and as we said, Scott Stringer made that announcement. So I guess that's what's going to happen if yeah. things go back to normal. You know? So I, we, you know, get into some very important deep topics on the social sport podcast and i like to wrap up with some more fun um questions i have a few rapid fire questions for you the first is do you have a favorite ride you've ever done harriman um it's lenape land yeah uh we are on lenape land i don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly Mm -hmm. but it's over the river and it's up by bears if so if you were to go up, up to bear that's like my favorite ride Coming, I used to do it the lazy way, which was take the train to Garrison and come down and kind of like ride around in the park and then take the train back. I will try to ride back next time. It is kind of long to do all in one day. Um, it's a lot of climbing, but it's all in that state park. So it's just beautiful. There's like a couple roads. There's one main road, Seven Lakes Drive, and a couple roads that go across. And it's just pretty and quiet. And yeah, incredible. And for folks who aren't in the New York area, that's Harriman State Park. And definitely just 
so necessary for anyone who is in New York City. Just such a beautiful, peaceful place to get out of the city. Mm-hmm. And they have low-pod camping options if you want to kind of like pitch a tent or something. Um, mm-hmm. So check that out. Pretty cool. How about your favorite post-ride meal? Ooh, ooh, good one. Good one. <laughs> ah, I like to eat. I am not picky. Um, anything with cheese? I'm not really Ooh. a picky eater. Um, uh, I'm a pancake. I'm a pancake girl. I get pancakes with eggs on the sides from the eggs. Like breakfast for dinner. Yeah, <laughs> breakfast for dinner would totally be cool. Um, like a full spread breakfast. Don't I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I don't get me started. <laughs> Amazing. I know you're a writer as well, correct? So, yeah. and we didn't really even get into that, but do you have a favorite topic to write about? I like to write science fiction and fantasy, but I don't, can't do that much anymore. That's obviously not paying money. Um, or at least not for me, not yet, not right now. Uh, favorite topic to write around is definitely bikes. That's what's on my mind. Bikes and your what to wear. You can, you can wax poetic about that forever. But um, probably right now, what like, actually gets me to get words onto the page is probably somewhere about the bikes and politics things. Because I'm just so flabbergasted that it's like why why are we not doing this so because the frustration can kind of come out but ultimately i do like to write things that no one that are totally unbike related not bike related at all <laughs> about fiction and fantasy and that was what i attempted before like a long time ago well hopefully you'll be able to do that again sometime in the future because i'd love to read your stuff once you do oh thank you thank you thank you so before before we finish up, I always love to ask, why is sport a powerful platform for social change? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think because we, as humans, love it. Why is Because it's something that we're looking at. You know what I mean? Why is sport a powerful? So we, we, it's a construct that we created. Sport itself is a construct that we created. So obviously we're looking at it to, to, as a mirror of ourselves. Maybe that's why. This is sounding a bit mentally broad perhaps but no that's great yeah i think we're looking at it as a mirror of society so when yeah when when our sports stars that we have raised up our idols that we have created decide to tell us to do something we generally follow that's a reflection it's true it's true well thank you so much Aaliyah. this has been so much fun and the work that you're doing is so important i'll have to link information in the show notes for so people can go learn about ride upgrades and everything we've talked about is there any shout out you want to do on on how folks can get involved in these programs or how they can learn more yeah, please check out the website. There's And you can always shoot us an email at staff at rideupgrades.org. We are a .org. So somebody has the .com. I love their, I think they have like a, I don't know, some sort of, it's like a blog that teaches their rides. It's also interesting. If I ever meet that guy, shout out to that random dude who runs that <laughs> blog. Hey, dude, how you doing? Um, but yeah, otherwise, we are probably going to kick off rides in spring, February, March. Um with like the kids that have been, you know, the young people that have been reaching out to me and the kids who didn't win the scholarship. I'm going to offer them the opportunity to come. I'm going to be out there riding anyway. Definitely one or two. We're again, looking, people are looking for the space. Come join me if you want. It's going to be in the afternoon because some people are coming from far um, to get to the start, which will be um, probably strictly other things like that. Just keep an eye on the website. I will post. I'm very rarely post on Instagram unless something's really happening, but you know, if you have any questions, shout them out to us. 
So if you're in the New York area or New Jersey area, anywhere in the tri-state area, definitely check that out. If you have kids who might be interested in getting on the bike, it sounds like a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. This has been so fun. Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. Really impressed with your work supporting the sport community. It's like a huge, huge deal. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social Sport. While Social Sport is part of a running podcast network, an awesome running podcast network, Sidious Mag, I aim to tell stories about endurance and outdoor athletes of all types who are focused on social change. I'm excited when I get to span beyond the running community and tell stories for and about people from different sports and different communities. And that is something that I hope to do more of in 2021. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know. Reach out on Instagram at socialsportpod. You can also send me an email at socialsportpod at gmail.com. Finally, something you can do to support the show is to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review for Social Sport. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay sporty and keep resisting.